You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, it's episode 54, and tonight I'm joined by uh, Sean and Ray. How are y'all doing? I'm awake and I'm here. <laughs> Any better, I'd be illegal. There you go. Uh, we all sound kind of beat uh talking a little bit before the show it's uh it's 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 been a work um yeah it's 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 been a work um so uh uh, let's go and get started with our topic uh so this is technically the the last book that we sat down oh geez it would have been six months ago and decided that everyone's going to pick a book we're going to read them and um uh, instead of our usual voting uh which by the way we have already i we put it put this out there was like well do we want to do this again everyone just kind of put forth the book and we read them again or uh do we want to go back to our voting system and it was unanimous and it was like no this was fun let's do this um so we've already got our next five books set up uh jen sat on on this one because she's not sure uh how how much reading she's going to be able to do and how much she's going to be able to contribute over the next year so which is understandable oh no actually she did get she did no, pick a book that's right she, she just needed this she had to read all of ours too yeah so yeah that's, picked, that's I, yeah so I speaking of tried. which oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of which, so <clears throat> this was uh, the last book of this of this grouping that we did, and this was my choice. Um, raise your hand if you read the book. For those listening to the show, I am not raising my hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Eugene picks a book. Only one person bothers to read it. So whatever. My feelings aren't hurt or anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, to be fair, I, I explained off uh, offline why uh, why I wasn't in the uh, listening mood. So. And here's uh, the thing, like and like I told Ray, here's the thing. Um, and I don't know if I've said this on this show. I know I've definitely said it on the Epic Geeky show. Uh, first off, we love if you're listening to the shows, you know, thank you. Like that's all, you know, it's awesome that you download the show and listen to it and just, you know, want to hear these, you know, goofballs all talk about books and, and whatever. So, um, and we always welcome feedback. Like, if you, you know, that's why oh, yeah. we give our, our social stuff out at the end of the show. Cause we'd like to hear from you. Um, but that being said, we don't make any money doing this show. So <laughs> it's like, let's see, my actual job where I get paid, my family that like, you know, I have to take care of and stuff. Sorry, it's not getting read this month. So, you know, it's it's understandable. So, yeah, um, uh, which I also didn't uh, I didn't mention this one. Uh, speaking of family, I've got uh, uh, three uh, un- uncles, for lack of a better word, all in the hospital right now. Uh <laughs> Waiting on different various diagnoses of different things, uh, so it's it's been an interesting month. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, and down the last week. So. Man, well, hopefully, hopefully, good news. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, speaking of of said book that I picked, so this is episode fifty four, and we have yet to read a Stephen King book until now. Uh, especially being a geeky uh, um, book club, it's, it's yeah. something you would have thought that maybe would have come up at, at some point. So not necessarily that Stephen King is considered geeky. It's just uh, he's just he is a very profound writer and like has written crap tons of stuff across a lot of different genres. Uh, if, if you're talking about writing in general, you're going to talk about Stephen King at some point. Yeah, he just 
he and it's the fact that you know he's still known mo- mainly as a horror writer but like in his later years he's definitely gone more into the thriller stuff and then he occasionally he throws out that oddball thing that's just like Stephen King wrote that you know like the green mile it's just like wait what you wrote that and because it's definitely it's not a horror by any means it does it is supernatural but anyway um so tonight's book we read was uh, salem's lot uh, the reason why I picked this book is because uh, about the time of the year, we are actually recording this episode at the end of September. So we are going into October for, you know, Halloween. And I thought, why not? Let's read one of his horror books. And of all of his books, this may be my favorite. Um, there are definitely some, certain Stephen King books that I will reread over and over again. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I was, I'm, I'm just kind of finding something to read, uh, until my new credits come in next month. So I'm actually going back through. I was like, well, I'm just taking the horror genre and I'm uh, about to finish, uh, um, what was it? Um, uh, Pet Cemetery again. So, uh, another one of his, you know, really well-known books. But anyway, so we're reading Salem's Lot. Um, it is, it's literally the second book that he ever wrote. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is, uh, at the beginning of the, of course we did the audio version. Um, he actually gives a forward and he talks about how this came about and why he wrote the book. And so we're going to get into that here in just a, a few minutes. But, uh, as you can tell, I obviously picked the book. So obviously I enjoyed the book. I wouldn't, I am not going to be that guy. that's like, you know what? That book sucked. Let's, let's pick that one. I'm not going to do that to y'all. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, the only other person that actually read the book was Sean, uh, Sean, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on Salem's Lot? Um, initial thought was I got my credit back. <laughs> <laughs> um, the initial thoughts was, uh, first off, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. I've, I've read some, um, but I find, for me, I find his characters are all very formulaic. Even mm-hmm. though he may have actually wrote the formula, but he copies <laughs> himself. And like, I can, I don't know if it was just luck that every Stephen King novel I've ever read, I can like group all the characters together. And so this latest one, it was like, even though it was one of his first books he ever wrote, um, it was like, oh, seriously, like you have this character in this book and it's like oh and then you've got this one oh wait i bet you i'm going to get introduced to another character that i know oh there they are and it's like oh, <laughs> so that kind of annoyed me this is also which i did like about steve this novel is it is a period piece mm-hmm. um, it is written like i guess what what then 1970 1970s when this yeah. That place. And I gotta hand it to King, like it's the seventies. You know exactly what time this book is written in, uh, from how people talk to the settings he's setting up, um, the town itself. Like it's always in Maine, I know that. Um, um yeah. everything is always linked together, kind of thing. And I'll I'll give it to Stephen King that the settings are a character unto themselves in all of his novels, then this one wasn't any different. But I just, I think I also had a hard time with this 1970s setting. Um, Cause I'm not big in the seventies. 
So <laughs> I was born in 79. Like I missed most of that stuff. So, but, um, it, it, there were certain situations or certain ways the characters were acting that I'm like started getting uncomfortable. I don't know. I was like, I don't know why am I, why am I getting uncomfortable here? But it's just the way they like treat each other and talked and stuff like that. And I, when I, I listen or read a book, I don't want it to like start negative emotions in me. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. And there That's are cool. parts in this that are uh, that, that are definitely there's a lot of negative stuff in here, and it's to give you an idea that um, you know everything's not right in the town, but it's not things go really askew very quickly. Um, but like for example, uh, and I don't remember the character's name, but the uh, the young lady that is that is um, hitting your child because he's oh yeah yes that, that's oh. that's hard to read. And I, I, you know, the first time I I went through it, I'm just like, oh, man, this is this is not cool. And then by the end, I'm just like, well, she kind of got hers. So, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. But, yes, no, there's like it was. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff in there. And 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 just the way that and, you know, some of the language, of course, you're just like, that's not that's a little uncomfortable. But I also and then I have to stop and think, no, I have to think about what number one, when this was written and number two, the time period that. It was set, and I'm just like, yeah. no, it's just, it it, it yeah. makes sense. It doesn't. Of course, this is also this is literally his second book. Like he literally, this is the second book that he's ever he ever wrote. Um, and uh, the reason why he wrote the book, and and I love this idea. If you've ever, if you read a lot of Stephen King, and you or if you ever hear him talk, um, his wife is honestly his number one critic. Like if she says something doesn't work, something doesn't fly, then it gets changed. No if ands or buts. Um. But literally, he just kind of jokingly at the time he was teaching at college and and they were reading Dracula. And he just kind of jokingly goes, well, I wonder what old Drac would be like in, in quote unquote, modern times. And uh, she's like, well, you're a writer. Why don't you figure it out? And that's the genesis of this idea. So he literally was like, well, what? how would this work? Um, at the inter- in the entry of the book, he talks about uh, I also love the fact that he talked about his mom in this book. Um because apparently she uh, uh, he was a voracious reader when he was young and um, um, she never she never really there were only a few books that she ever you know banned him from reading. But most of it, she would look at it and say, oh, that's trash or that's bad trash. Don't read that. Um, but usually he would end up reading it anyway. And but anyway, and he talks about the fact that, you know, unfortunately, she passed away before the book was released and everything. And he just makes the comment. He goes, I'd like to think that she would have read it, you know, set it aside, you know, lit up a cigarette and been like, that was trash, but not bad <laughs> trash. <laughs> and I was just like, that's that's kind of cool. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So, so I was going to say, so the reason why I'm here then. <laughs> OK, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> uh, you two, it's very rare that you two disagree on a book. Um, it, it, you know, we were talking about it just before the show. There are a few that maybe you disagree with, but it is pretty rare for you to disagree on a book. So I'm I'm more interested in, in hearing your views on this one. Uh, I will take a, a listen or a read of it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. So we were in London um, right before, or it was right after, it was right after the last book and we went to Cole's um, and I had Salem's lot in my hand and 
like the the thing was like, oh shit, no wonder they're <laughs> no wonder they want to listen to it. It was like, all right, this is gonna be a hell of a read. Had in my hand all the way to the checkout, and then I was like, shit, just I better just listen to it instead. So I put it back, and I think mm-hmm. I think that sh- I should know. I should have held onto it, and then but anyway. So yeah, I, I mainly I mainly here to listen to the points of view because <laughs> it is pretty rare that you guys disagree on something like this. Well, okay, so and I I even hate to go at it as disagreement, but I completely understand where you're coming from, Sean. A lot of his a lot of his characters are formulaic um, throughout the rest of his books. Um, that being said, I, I think you also may have hit the the nail on the head in that. It's one of those things, and I mean, I don't, I, I guess I've experienced it once or twice, but I've talked to people who are like, they never saw Star Wars, like growing up or whatever, and they didn't see it until they were, you know, until they get older. And then when they go back and watch Star Wars, they go, oh, oh, this was, so this was the genesis of, and then list about 15 different sci-fi tropes. Yeah. And it's like, yes. And so at some point it's like, well. I'm sure when it first came out, it was really novel. It was very, you know, it was it was different. It was interesting. And now it's just like, okay, this is almost more like a history book than. A, well, <laughs> than and we had discussed something like that in another show when we were talking about Salem's Lot about the strain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where the strain is basically a modern retelling of Salem's Lot, and it's. And a lot of vampires, I can see a lot of vampire shows are, and novels are coming from Salem's Lot. Like I, I did see a lot of that and that doesn't bother me. I, I like that. I just, I have a hard time with Stephen King's writing and there's so much of it. There He's is so a big. Lot. Like he doesn't do anything small. <laughs> no. Like, and don't get me it's, wrong. I don't like, like, I like the stand. I've, I've always enjoyed this stand. Oh, that's oh my god! You're talking trip. about that's, length, and you're talking about the stand. That is, I know. A, that is ginormous. And like, talk about like formulaic characters because like same deal. But for something, for some reason, I I enjoyed the stand. So mm. I don't hate all of the Stephen King stuff. <laughs> this one I did not enjoy. <laughs> well, there's there's definitely Stephen King books that I've read that I have not enjoyed. Like, I'm just like, I'm slowly but surely kind of making my way through some of the other ones that I haven't hit. And I've, I've noticed, I like the more supernatural stuff that he writes, the more, the, the stuff that is a little more, um, uh, suspense stuff, not always, uh, like, uh, I, I read desperation and yeah, it does have a, it does have a, a, a supernatural bend to it, but it just, I don't know. Something about it just didn't just didn't sit with me. I don't I don't know. So <laughs> so I'm while I am a professed Stephen King fan, uh, there's definitely books that he's written that I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, well, let's go ahead and start off. So, like I said, this is this is his idea of what vampires would be like in in quote unquote modern society. So we're talking about the 70s. So it takes place in uh, a small town called uh, Salem's Lot. It's actually shortened from Jerusalem's Lot. Uh, it is a uh, fictional little town, and uh, all not granted, all the towns around it are actually real, and almost all the other towns around it appear in almost all of his other books. Like mm-hmm. um, Derry, in particular, that's that's where yeah. tons of things have happened, including it. Uh, Bangor is another one that a lot of stuff happens in. So a lot of this stuff is really tied in together, and I'll, I'll want to talk to talk about that here near the end. But um, 
So there's a house on the hill that's been empty forever. There, uh, the guy and his wife who were up there uh, committed suicide. Uh, well, uh, murder-suicide, and the house was basically still. Every, it, everyone thought it was haunted. Uh, and um, the uh, the book focuses on Ben Mears. He's a writer who is coming back. He spent some time in uh, Salem's Lot growing up. He's come back. He's wanting to write a horror book, kind of loosely based on some of the stuff that happened in the house. He comes back to find out that the house has been rented. Um, and so he's kind of settling in, and it's always kind of a draw on him. Um and he and and then the rest of the book is him meeting uh, the other characters in the book and finding out what's happening on the hill. Um, so let's talk about some of the other characters. Uh, well, like we'll, we'll start off with Ben Mears. Pretty straight laced, just a kind of a normal writer. His background is um, uh, he was married. There was an accident. His wife was killed. Um, so he's kind of a little on the reclusive side. Uh, but you know, being moving into a small town, you know, he's the outsider. And, um, and, you know, once the information starts getting out about, you know, what happened to his wife, there's, you know, kind of some stuff there real quick before I go any further down this road. One of the other things I wanted to point out, and he, he mentions this as well. Um, he loved how in, uh, in the original Dracula that it was basically a collage of all these different, like there were reports, there were letters, and that's how the story was told was through all of this different type of stuff being, you know, thrown together. This book is the same way. We do we get lots of different uh, perspectives. Uh, there are times where um, it's literally like he's reading off the police blotter. Um, he's reading, you know, we're getting like um, uh, storm reports, you know, just different things like that to all kind of you know culminate into into what's happening in this book. So um, one of the uh, one of the first characters he meets and ends up becoming the love interest, um, Susan Norton. I mean, just it, it's funny because there's a there's a part in the book. She is a smart young lady. She's headstrong. Um, and yet she's going up to this house. She has a feeling she knows what's going on in the house. She knows it, it could be a dangerous thing. And she even says it's funny in the book. She even says, if I were watching someone do this in a movie, I'd be like, you stupid bitch. Why are you doing that? And she goes, and I'm doing it. Why am I doing it? Yeah, she came across as fodder. <laughs> before we get yeah before we get too far in the book so and this kind of threw me uh it has the what the hell is that thing called the like the prequel so the very beginning of the book oh yes basically has the two survivors talking to a priest mm-hmm. so right away you know who lives and who dies and but that threw me i'm like did i miss like nine tenths of the book already like did it skip so and i'm I'm not sure why he put that in there it actually bothered me it was it's kind of an interesting writing perspective because like you said from the beginning you kind of already know well at least i know these two characters are going to live so at Mm. the climax of the book you know they're going to survive now he could have done a twist at the very end which would have been very stephen king to do where you're like, oh, well, I'm getting this part of the story. We're getting the telling up to the beginning of the book, and we pick up at that point, and oh, no, they died too. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been very Stephen King. But he didn't do that. So you're right. We all, we automatically know, at least we have a good idea of who survives and who doesn't. So yeah. um, there was something else that I was going to bring up just now. A second ago, I thought about it, and it, it, it passed me. Maybe it'll come back. Some of Susan and how stupid she was. 
Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and her mom, her dad seemed cool. Oh yeah, her dad seemed really cool. Her mom was. Oof. Oh, um, busy body, know it all. Yeah, shit. no joke. Which once again, <laughs> very yes, it is a very tropey type character to yeah. have. But if you're talking about a small town, you know there's at least one of those. Like there has to be one of those. Um, Are we talking like a Karen? Um, she's already decided who Susan is supposed to be marrying and she already has these ideas of how her life is supposed to go. So when she's like, I've met this writer, um, I, I think I'm kind of falling for him. It's very much, you don't know what you want, young lady. Um, you're going to ruin your life and trying to meddle in that situation. So, so you're like basically wanting her to die first. <laughs> he doesn't, but yeah. So, uh, what is it with Stephen King writing about writers? Write what you know. Okay, know. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go ahead and bring this up. Uh, so in the, I think it's the sixth book. Crap, is it the fifth or the sixth? It's the sixth book. In the quote-unquote final book of um, the Dark Tower. Um, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. In the final book of the Dark Tower series, he writes himself into it. Like, he is in a character in the book. And it's kind of weird. Like, it's... But at this point, it's like everything's built up to this point, so you're just like, okay, sure, sure. let's just we'll keep go going. Here. And it doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't impact it too much, but it's just kind of weird that it's like, you wrote yourself into the book? Really? Like, that's a thing? But whatever. Yeah. yeah. His best so. cameo was in Family Guy. Probably in the back <laughs> right too. When he gets hit by the car, hey, this is make a great story. Ding, 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 ding yeah. done. Before he hits the ground. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> um, okay, so what did you think of Matt Burke, the teacher? I liked Matt. I liked Matt a lot, too. I liked him. He, uh, he was kind of like a, a hippie. Yeah, he was. He... Uh, uh, was a teacher. Basically, they're like, he's not a very good disciplinarian, but he loved to teach. The kids liked him. Uh, he liked rock and roll. Um, so he's a Woodward, like if uh, like uh, Woodard from uh, Days and Confused, if he was a teacher. <laughs> I don't know if he's that far. Not yeah, quite. I don't know if quite that far. So. <laughs> yeah. Some of the other main characters. <laughs> Trying to think of like, yeah, Matthew McConaughey in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would he be oh. the right age now to they're do more, that? They're more drinkers than. Well, yeah, that's true. They're definitely. Yeah. Although they do mention he's like, you know, he's, I think he even says specifically because uh, at one point, you know, it's like, are you on anything? And he's like, no, I I did that once. It gave me an ingestion. I'm not doing <laughs> I'm not doing it again. So. um no, but he, he liked listening to a lot of uh, loud music because apparently his hearing was going. So he's yeah. just like, well, screw it. I'll just crank it all the way up. So yeah. <laughs> um, then we have Dr. Cody was one of the other characters that comes in a little bit later on in the book. Uh, yeah. So not only is this kind of going along with the idea of let's see what Dracula would be like in modern day. He also fits some of his characters into that uh, that archetype. So we do end up getting a. Um, actually Cody was, kind, or not Cody, uh, Matt Burke kind of became the, um, oh, uh, yeah. Van Helsing, Van Helsing character. Yeah. So, um, so we have Matt Cody, he's our doctor. He comes in, uh, he's our, he's our, uh, kind of scientific bridge to it. Um, 
we have uh, Mark Petrie, who is the little boy that is fucking fearless. Like, there's You're there's right. no way I can do that shit as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So. Stephen King doesn't write children very well. Not for this, anyway. He hasn't found, really found the, the slide, because this kid was like, this isn't a kid, dude. You just wrote <laughs> like a 45-year-old into like a 12-year-old body. Sorry. He so had some Logan? moments where he's very <laughs> like when he starts getting really freaked out, like when his parents die and stuff, that's when it comes out. But otherwise, he's very uh, straight laced. Well, so like the whole fact, like when he gets captured by Barlow and how he yes. escapes by like basically ultra controlling his muscles through his mind kind of thing. Yes. Like, dude, he's 12. Come yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, god i'm sure there might be a one or two kids out there like that but yeah i, have, I haven't oh, i haven't i read a book from houdini like when i was seven and this is yeah, how he no, did right. stuff <laughs> um and then probably and this is because of other reasons we'll talk about this in a minute uh one of my favorite characters in the entire book father callahan i love father callahan um I love he is our preacher that is I-, I love the fact that he's talking about and this is where you were talking about that it's very much set in the time period that it is. He is he's not a he's not become an unbeliever, but he's definitely having problems with his role in the church because he's like he 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 wishes it was the, the church of old. He wishes he wishes it was, you know. Uh, evil with a capital E, you know, it's the, it's the monsters. It's the, 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 un, you know, the, the undefinable thing uh, evils. And he's like, it's the seventies, it's modern day times. You know, the, the, the light bulb has basically destroyed all those ideas and, and our, you know, the church's goal to destroy evil are, you know, drinking and drugs and war and poverty. And he's yeah. just like, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm too old for this. Like, this is not, this is not my fight. You know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm yearning for something more, something more grand. Um, I, I would, I think it would be interesting every time I read this, I always think if they, if he were going to like basically do a modern retelling of this book, um, they really wouldn't have to change his character too much because it would, yeah. instead of that, instead of fighting the social ills, it would be dealing with, you know, I'm, I'm too old to, to, to figure out, you know, homosexuality and you know trans the trans movement and stuff and he's like you know that would be his thing he'd be like why i need clear-cut good and evil i this is you know and i've always thought that his character would definitely transcend a lot better in a modern day telling than some of the other characters would so um so just a, a quick synopsis of what happens so some weird stuff starts happening uh in the town uh a dog gets uh, killed uh, specifically a do- a black dog with uh, white spots over its eyes. Um, I never heard of that specific vampiric thing. That's I'm, and I'm he's like very well known for doing crap ton of research on his books, so I'm sure that's some way back lore that everyone's just kind of forgotten. Um, after that, a little boy goes missing, uh, and then his brother goes missing. And it's at this point we start to find we find out about our two villains of the book. Uh, the first one is um, and okay, I'm gonna have to talk about Straker. this here in a second. Richard Straker. Richard Straker. Okay, so in the book he's tall, he's completely bald, he's extremely strong, 
but he's also not a vampire. He is the vampire's familiar. The other day, uh, what, it's interesting. Sean and I have been having a conversation since I, I said we were going to do this book. He's like, have you seen they're like they're ramping up to do a retelling yeah. or you know refilming of this book? And I, I was unaware of that. And the other day, they announced who they had uh, cast for uh, Streaker, and I was just like, I don't know how tall this guy is, but this doesn't seem like a good <laughs> pick. <laughs> so, and is it a movie or is it a, a series? A movie. Of, it is a movie. Okay. So. You should watch, like, in The Strain, the yeah. Straker-type character. It's on Look. my it's on my <laughs> list. Now, he's an actual vampire, but he plays the same type of role. That he's, he's first to the master kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he is who I would picture as Straker and who I pictured in the sound lot. Who did they pick? Crap, I'd have to look. <laughs> Never mind, I'll look it up. This has yeah, been a little while. Yeah. So like uh, when we just started the book, and then all of a sudden my Facebook feed like fills up with like Salem Lot um, casting. Yeah, it's all, it was almost one of those situations. Yeah. It's like my phone is listening to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so we get Richard Straker, and then we get our actual villain, uh, who is our our his partner, as it's put in the book. Um, Kurt Barlow, who is our actual vampire, or our main vampire, I should say. Um, we don't really get a lot of him, which I'm okay with. I prefer the kind of I, I like slow burn books. I like when the buildup is there, and then when we finally get to the villain, even if we don't get a lot of the villain, when we do get him there, like at an eleven the entire time, and pretty much that's how he was. Anytime he shows up, he's in command of the situation. Um, and is uh it, it is menacing is it's very menacing one of the other um uh, king talks about how he grew up reading uh a lot of comic books you know with vampires and stuff and and he even talks about how you know they're like slashing and tearing and ripping people apart and everything like that and he was he was mainly writing towards more of the um um stoker type vampires like you know it's more like you know very very, you know, I don't want to say courteous. That sounds weird. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they, they bite your neck, they suck your blood, and that's it. They're not like ripping you apart. And like he even talks about, there was a, a comic that he read or a book that he read. They were like hanging people upside down and like installed a spigot in their neck to like drain their blood. And uh, he wasn't going for that type. Um, and so anyway, so uh, people start one by one. We start seeing these people get picked off. We have a small group that has started figuring out what's going on, and they cannot. Uh, one of the other things I like about I like about this is they have an idea, like it 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 fits the facts that they know that there's a vampire in town, and yet they can't bring themselves to believe it. And it's them going back and forth and trying to figure out, well, what can we do? What can we move forward to? Um, you know, make sure that this is what it is. And uh, by that point, it's it's pretty much too late because, at, you know, the the longer they stumble, the the you know, the more and more vampires get made and more and more people in the in the town die. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of our main characters. There's some other ones in there that are kind of interesting, like the 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 sheriff that literally is just like packs up and leaves, packs up and leaves. Yeah, he's like his partner's literally like, what's wrong? He's like, I I believe I'm scared shitless. <laughs> like, I think that's literally what he says. Yeah. 
And when they come to the end, they're like, we need your help. And he's just like, nope, uh, at the end of my shift, I'm hanging up my uh, star because I'm pretty sure my partner's already been turned. And I'm sure he's com- he'll be coming for me tonight. So uh, I'm getting out of Dodge. And it's just like, you fucking coward. And he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not I'm not dying for this. So um, I do like some of the I do like how some of the uh the deaths occur uh like the 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 shitty bus driver like he <laughs> definitely got his uh you know i thought that was an interesting sound you, you know how it's gonna play out you know when he wakes up and he hears the bus you know crap going on to the bus and he jumps on the bus and he you know he, th- he thinks he's gonna as he put it whoop some ass uh, and turns out it's a bunch of, you know, the younger, the younger kids who've been turned into vampires. That's what, yet another thing, like he talks about how, uh, he doesn't like any cutting up on his bus. So even if the kids like talk or whisper, he's like, oh no, I put them off the bus and if they have to walk two miles home. They have to walk two miles home. I'm just like, yeah, that wouldn't fly today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, the actor you were talking about earlier, sorry to cut back in this one, uh, Pilo Aspect, uh, is the guy, uh, six feet tall. So, um, uh, not huge, but if you're going to cast a bunch of normal actors around him, he's going to look huge because normal actors are about five, eight, five, nine. Anyway, that's, that's not a bad point. Well, I mean, hell, a lot of actors even are shorter than that. Like, so yeah, if they shot him facing up, it may not be too bad either. So yeah, I don't know. I just, the first, the only picture I saw yeah. that they, you know, on the news article that they posted to him, was just like, that's the guy they picked for straight. Cause like I said, he's. I don't picture Nosferatu, but that's what I pictured is bald, extremely tall. Like they talk, he even talks about how like long his fingers and how big his hands are. He's just like, he's a giant of a guy. So, so the, um, the other one that I was a bit surprised for him to be in, where did it go? He was also, uh, in, Ben Hur, he was um, uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, and then where, oh Ghost in the Shell, he was Batu, uh, who's another larger character. So okay, anyway, he, he carries himself well. I don't know. So sh- they should have got Doug Jones for Straker. Tall, lanky. Yeah, I, yeah. So. Hey, they didn't um, the rock, so <laughs> no, as long as it was bold uh, and tall. Hey, let's get yeah. the rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for that movie to come on streaming for free anyway, so I'm not paying when you see it. Sam's what? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to the movies to see that. Not with the I don't rock. Think I'll get my money back for that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is in it too. Was, oh my god. Oh, not to get sidetracked, but you're. <laughs> You're making me have flashbacks to the other day when they announced the voice cast for the Mario movie. Uh, I'm just like, what? <laughs> Although I do want to see Jack Black. I want to hear Jack Black's take on. Uh, <laughs> or, no, I, thought, I thought he was Bowser. I could be wrong. He is Jack Black. Is Jack Black is Bowser? <laughs> it's a crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the the whole time. I'm just like when they keep announcing it. I'm just like. Did no one at Nintendo go watch the Sonic movie? Did y'all not realize? Hey, guess what? It is possible to do a good version of your mascot. So, <laughs> guess not. Uh, Sorry, all right, back to the bus. So, um, <laughs> all 
all right. So some of the other scenes that I also really enjoyed. Um, I love the scene where um, uh, Doctor where Cody and Mears are going to go sit up with um, uh, the woman, and she is you know when she turns uh, and sits up. I love that. I don't know. There's just something about that scene I really liked. I like how it played out. Um, were there any scenes that in particular that you really that that you did enjoy that you really kind of you know that grabbed? One, that one when they were waiting did stand out. Um, cause that was in that was in a uh, funeral home, wasn't it? Yes. So they 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 paid off the the funeral director who was a friend of Cody's and yeah. just. I like that funeral director. I remember him. I like him as a character because he the, the old he Jewish re- guy that was yeah he yeah. was refreshing in this novel of characters that were like just wanted to suck the life out of you. Oh, pretty good for a vampire book. Well, you had this little Jewish guy that was like all upbeat and stuff like that. Yes, especially it, when he makes the comment. Director. He's like, "That's it. That's all you want to do. That's fine. Just yeah. do me one favor." If she says anything for posterity, make sure you write it down. And they're just like, and he's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. I, I, that one did stand out. Um, and then when, like when Ben went over to uh, Matt's house for the first time, when the music was blaring and he's yeah. like, am I at the right house? Yes. Kind of thing. And he's like doing the total bachelor supper of spaghetti or something like that. And, it, yeah. it, the way it was written, it felt real. Like it, it wasn't in a vampirish kind of setting or anything like that. Like it, it just seemed to draw the characters together into a very real setting. Um, those are the two that really stood out. Like, um, Jimmy's death was pretty brutal. He kind of, yeah, talked around it through the eyes of, Mark Petrie, the kid, because at first you're like, you didn't know what the hell was going on. It was so the scene was Mark and uh, Jimmy were like basically going house to house looking for vampires, and then they would mark on the door so they could come back and kill them. I think that was mm-hmm. the plan anyway. And then the scene just kind of cut to like Mark, like freaking out and covered in blood and stuff like that. And you, you knew something bad happened to Jimmy, but you didn't know what. And then later he explains that they like the vampires had removed the bottom stairs, except for like the top step and then took out the lights. So you thought there were stairs there. And then they put like a board down below and shoved all the knives through it. So, and Mark blamed himself for, Seeing that all the knives were gone in the kitchen, but not putting that together, that's what the vampires had done. Yeah. Like, this kid was like beyond smart, but also a little screwed in the head. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I that the way that was written really kind of stands out in my head too. I still um, didn't like the book. <laughs> Like I said, I liked the, I loved a lot of it. I love the the climax when they're going after Barlow and it, time is almost up. And uh, I love how they uh, explain Barlow's death. But um, I, I just like that scene. I like that imagery he talks about of how uh, when he's swinging the axe through the door and he's got the holy water on his 
you know, he's basically covered in the holy water and it's it's glowing. I think that's just an awesome sounding scene. That's something I would love to see, you know, uh, you know, brought to life. There is a there is already a movie version of Salem's Lot. And I think I found it one time. It's kind of like trying to find an actual like copy of it is damn near impossible. But I think it was on a streaming service and I just haven't got around to watching it yet. I hear it's horrible. It's probably made for TV, so. Uh, yeah, so, um, but I'm like, I may watch it just kind of to see it or whatever. So there's one issue I have with the book. And um, what's one. funny is, is after, I'm, like I said, I'm almost done re-listening to uh, uh, Pet Cemetery. So there's two questions I'm like, if I ever got to meet Stephen King, I've got two questions I want to ask him. The one is uh, the little girl that survives in Pet Cemetery. At least in the book version, I know it's. In the, I know in this new movie version, they actually flipped the script, and instead of the little boy dying, it's her dying. But anyway, um, I've always wanted to ask him. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a sequel book to this one, where we find out what happens to her? Because that's what um, uh, Doctor Sleep was. Was we found out what happened to the little boy at the end of of uh, what's it called? Uh, um, the Shining. Yeah, the shining. The shining. Yes. <laughs> you don't have the shining. You have the shining. Yeah. That's that's you one of the questions soon. I have. The other question I have, and maybe you can help me out with this, Sean. Now, granted, you only read it once, and you didn't really care about the book. Um, <laughs> he is very particular that he tries to make sure he stays within the rules. So, for example, vampires cannot enter your house unless they're invited. That is a very yeah. long-standing, very hard rule. So, my one question on this one is is how did Barlow get into the house to kill Petrie's parents? Because Mark did invite the little boy in and then smited him with the, the little cross yeah. and told him to leave. And I thought, well, maybe it transfers. Maybe if you invite one vampire, it can't, it does it for everyone. The problem with that is though, when Susan is turned, she also comes to his window and he tells her to go away and she does. So she could not just enter the house. So how did Barlow fly through the window and kill his parents if he was never invited? See, folks, this is why there's a geeky attached to the marginally part. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's the um, one question I want to have. And I want I'm sure I people have asked him and he's probably just like, it's a fucking book. Didn't they not explain that? Uh, Dude, I have listened to this book over and over and over again. And I have even gone so far as to go online and no one else can seem to explain it either. You know, I seriously, I think I'm, I'm thinking of Fright Night. (laughs) They do do explain that because the Fright Night movie follows Mm -hmm. the vampire rules very closely too. Mm -hmm. And that one of those being not getting invited into the house so you can't go in. Um, but I thought for sure there was something in there about how Barlow got in. And I'm going to have to go back and re-research it. But like I said, from what little research I've done, because it, it doesn't bother me enough that I'm just like, oh, that's just a huge hole in the book. But it is kind of a big, a huge hole in the book. Um, but yeah, I just wondered, like I said, I kept thinking, I was like, well, he was the one vampire was invited in, but the other one wasn't. So how? Yeah. I, I don't. It's a book. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like it's and when it all comes to you know at the end of the day, it was a book. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna destroy my world or anything. So the part that bothered me mm. the most, <laughs> I won't go into the other parts, but Father Callahan's ending that bothered me like 
So what happens? I'll, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. Um, Maybe it's in another book. Okay. So, so, so just, just to touch on, uh, on your, how did Barlow get in there? Uh-huh. Um, on Reddit, of on course. Reddit. Of course. <laughs> we got our secretary Ken, right Ken, here. Yeah. <laughs> Ken Defender actually uh, has a good one here. Um, and he said, uh, Barlow was more than just an average vampire. Over the course of the story, we learned that all vampire repellent techniques are founded in tradition and belief. Barlow even says to Callahan, uh, I was so old when your church was so uh, was young. Uh, and he speaks of traditions um, being something that just humanity uh, has just made up. And this has given them power. Uh, in the battle with Callahan, he, uh, we learned that theoretically Callahan could have fought him with the crucifix. However, his faith fails and even the crucifix becomes useless. So, no, oh, I, oh, I got that. It's just so Callahan basically becomes a familiar at the end of it, but he basically just gets on a bus and drives away. I'm like, well, that ending sucks. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'll get to that in a second. So right. are you interested in watching this remake at all? I am. <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. Cause like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. It's also one of those things that I'm going to also prepare myself to be like, okay, this is a movie adaptation of a Stephen King book. The chances of this of being good are very, very, very low. Um, his, and going back to what I was talking about, his non-horror books have actually had okay adaptations. The Green Mile was fantastic. I know it definitely changes a lot of stuff from the book, but The Green Mile was a fantastic movie. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is still held up as a fantastic movie. Once again, some changes from the book, but still. Um, it's the horror stuff that just doesn't tend to do too well. Uh, in fact, this la- one of the last ones they did, I did like what they did with Dr. Sleep. Um, I liked it chapter one it chapter one i thought was fantastic it chapter two eh, it chapter so two felt campy yeah it did it did feel campy it, it the first chapter was fucking amazing i loved it yeah but chapter two felt campy yeah when they got to like the giant it and you know he's walking yeah yeah when the giant pennywise and stuff that was kind of yeah um so yeah i'm definitely interested in this. okay so uh, so here's the thing about Stephen King, and this is one of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of his and uh, uh, why I continue to read a lot of his books. Almost every single book that he's written ties into a central idea, which is the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower essentially is six. There's actually a seventh one written, but it, it's just kind of like a side quest thing. Is six essential books. The whole idea is... At the center of everything, every universe, every plane of existence is this dark tower. It's held up by six beams. And essentially what happens is is, um, uh, the Crimson King wants to get to the top of the dark tower, wants to control the dark tower, and gets locked out and is not able to get back in. He's not able to leave and goes insane. And so he's finally gone insane and is calling... Basically, the actors of all destruction and evil to tear it down. I'm just going to, I'm going to destroy all of existence to, to free me from this hell. And the story of the Dark Tower is there's a gunslinger named Roland, and he is on his way to the Dark Tower to try to save all of existence. And as he goes along, he pulls in characters from all of his books. He also visits different things. So in one book, 
Um, one of the other th- conceits to the books is that um, because things are breaking down, so are the barriers between different existences. So at one point, they find themselves in uh, the world of the stand. Um, they're in a town and there's no one around. They don't recognize some of the vehicles and stuff. And they start finding newspapers and stuff, talking about uh, Captain Trips and everything else. And they just kind of move on. So one of the things is, is as you're reading the books, it will call to this all the time. So, for example, in in It, when they talk about the great turtle that, um, that you know, he holds his, yep. holds the world upon his shell. The great turtle is one of the uh, guardians of of the tower. So, like I said, they pull from all this stuff. Here's why Father Callahan is one of my favorite characters. In, I think it's book four or five, he comes back into play. They find him in a different universe. So basically what you find out is when he went to New York, he started seeing, he could start seeing the little vampires and he started killing them. And he eventually finds his way to a bridge to another kind of plane of existence. And it's there that he basically thought he'd basically kind of retire and has done a lot of good. He ends up helping the town. He ends up helping the heroes save the town. He ends up basically helping um, save all of existence. And so when he finally goes out in that final book, you do find out, I think he touched, I can't remember if he touches a cross or something. He touches something that is holy and it doesn't burn him anymore. And he's been forgiven. He had to do enough good work (sighs) to overcome. And he ends up taking out the vampire, the like kind of the, the, there are more vampires that show up in the books. Uh, but he ends up kind of taking out the, the, the main group of vampires or whatever. So that's one of the reasons why I really like Father Callahan, because when I was introduced, I was like, oh, my God, he came back. And and you just you over two or three more books, you end up really kind of falling in love with him from this book. Yeah, he's an OK character. But when you get the rest of his story, he becomes a really interesting character. So good. Yeah, I because, got closure. That's because that is a, <laughs> because that is an interesting thing, like Sean said. So. He fights Barlow, and I I love that scene as well. He, uh, Barlow, the scene we're talking about actually is what brings it up. Barlow flies into, or uh, yeah, flies into the house, kills Petrie's parents, has him like in a headlock, threatening to kill him. Father Callahan has this small cross like thrust out in front of him, and it's like glowing with like holy fire. And Barlow can't hardly move or whatever, and he makes a deal: if if you put down your cross and face me man to man, I'll let the boy go. Of course, he tells him, you know, why would I why would I trust you? He sure enough, he lets the boy go. He starts to he starts to tell the boy, I'll eventually get you. The boy spits in his face and almost he almost fucking loses it, (laughs) runs off. And he's like, well, I've kept my end of the bargain. How about you keep yours? And he's like, why would I do this? He's like, things are moving too fast. And the the light from the cross starts to dissipate. And he's like, you're a false priest. You you don't really believe you. You think you believe, but you don't really believe. And then makes him drink his blood. He's now marked. He's like, so none of the little vampires will come kill him. But when he goes back to his church, he literally puts his hand on the door and is like blown backwards. And his hand is like scarred and stuff. And he realizes he's been he's been cast out. He's unclean. So. But yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, there's lots there's lots of, you know, things like that in there. So. All right. Well, um, overall, like I said. I, I I love this book. I, I go back and read this book. I don't want to say I read this book every year. It's not one of it's not like that, but I do go back every so often when I'm in the mood for a good vampire story. This is one of the ones I go to. So, 
Um, but I also like Dracula as well. I know, I know Chris said she tried getting to Dracula and she's just like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much pulling from all this different stuff. So, um, so overall, Sean, you, you thought it was okay. Not great, but yeah, it was, I, I, I think it's more the fact that I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. And that's fair um, enough. And like I've tried and all that, and I know everything is so interconnected with his works. I've always known that, but like I said, I have a hard time getting into his stories and the characters. I just find predictable. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, and this was no exception. Like when I'm okay, there's going to be this type of person. Eh, a couple pages in, oh, there they are. Eh, there'll be this type of person. A few more pages in, oh, there they are. So, and it's like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, well, that is our book for the month, ladies and gentlemen. So, like I said at the top of the show, we decided to do this again. And we decided we are going to, uh, everyone pick books. Uh, Jennifer, I was mistaken at first. Jennifer did say she would contribute a book, but it kind of needed to be at a certain time of the year. So, we're like, cool. Um, so, we... Uh, I, I did a randomization. I think I blew Jennifer's mind, although I thought I explained <laughs> it pretty easily. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so by luck, the next book for October is my pick. And I picked a book called Angel Killer by Andrew Ming. Now, technically, this is a series book, but you can definitely read the first one and be OK. Um, I'm kind of hoping maybe it will catch some of you in that y'all will be like, oh, this is interesting. I'd like to find out more about this character. Um but yeah, so my pick for next bu- uh, month is Angel Killer. After that is uh, your pick, right, Ray? Um, yeah. The Skin Map? Skin Map, yep. So yeah, we'll be reading Skin Map for November. We're going to go ahead and opt take to take December off because it, it just tends to fall that way. Everyone, it, the holidays, everyone's busy, everyone needs a break. Uh, so we're going to take off uh, December. In January, uh, this is um, Jen's book, uh, Braided uh, Sweetgrass. February is Sean's book, and I cannot believe you're fucking doing this to us. Um, but he picked Quarter Share, Damn so right. he's definitely setting us up for a uh, another series. We talk about this book so often. Well, let's so be honest. Often. Eventually, we were going to read it anyway because yep. everyone who's read it has loved it. So I was going to say uh, the quarter share. I'm I'm ready to talk about it right now if you want. Like I would need to re-listen to it because I'll be honest with you. My biggest problem with rereading it is going to be where it cuts off because otherwise I would just keep going uh, and flowing through the rest of the books because they well, do flow so well. Like I said, yep. for something different, try those podcasts read by Nathan Mole. It is a different tone of book. That's how I originally listened to it like 15 years ago. And so when I got it in Audible, I I thought it was going to be Nathan Lowell reading it. And when it wasn't, it took me a long time to get used to the how the new the characters were portrayed differently. Really? So do Nathan Lowell first in those podcasts. Interesting. I may have to give that a shot then. Um. And then it's Chris's pick, and it's a uh, new spring, which is uh, <laughs> a prequel for the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Talk about another that. huge series. Like we're just setting up the series at this point. Oh, we're not so. doing Wheel of Time. No. <laughs> I don't have time for that. You know, yeah, huge. no joke. Yeah, that's kind of a long <laughs> series. Says so. the guy that'll read the stand. 
<laughs> it's been Stephen a while. King. I had to read it. Like that's one of those books everyone holds up as being one of his best books. I'm like, well, I've got to read it. It's gonna take me like Man, a fucking. You're lucky I didn't do Battlefield Earth. No, one that might have been one I called. I tapped out. I would I would have tapped out on that one for sure. Oh man, that's great. Forty seven hours, man. Heaven. It's not the time that that worries me about it. It's the content. Oh, it's good. You guys not read that yet? No. I've gone through it like three times. It's good. Yeah, the we'll movie see. just turned me off. Oh, don't. Yeah. See, that's the problem, and that's the problem is I keep associating it with the movie, and I'm just no. like, I, you can't do that. You because if you do that, sense. then. You never read like Abraham Vampire Hunter or uh, World War Z or Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because those movies were shit. Yes. I mean, World War Z was an okay action movie, but it was not. It was not the book. So, um, well, that is. So that's our that's our upcoming books. Let's go ahead and move on to other things we've been reading. Ray, have you been reading anything? Mostly just listen to music and uh, and a couple of I, like I'm not even completing the podcast I normally listen to right now. Uh, I'm listening to bits and parts of it. Um, it. It has not been a very good month for me to listen to stuff. So, I, dude, I, like I had that I had a, a dry spell in the summer where I just I didn't like normally I listen to my podcast and then I have a couple of books that I go through every month and there was a point where I'm just like. I go through the podcast and I just find like music or something to listen to. I just could yeah. not get in the mood to, to listen to something. So I completely understand. So, yeah. uh, Sean, have you been reading anything else? Um, I finished the autobiography of, yeah, the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. Okay. Which, um, wait a minute, the actor or the character? The character. Okay. So oh, they're okay. doing a whole bunch of autobiography series from Star Trek. So really? Yeah, there's Picard, Janeway, uh, Kirk, that kind of thing. Uh, I think I just got Spock. Um, but anyway, so I was a little bit nervous about this one because I actually tried listening to the autobiography of Kate Mulgrew first. And like she read it, but I only got like a couple chapters and I just I couldn't stand it anymore because... I don't know if she actually wrote it herself or whoever wrote it for, but it, the language was way too flowery and it was just, it was driving me nuts that to the point where my ears were bleeding. So I, I got rid of that and then thought, Oh, I'll go with the uh, uh, autobiography of Catherine Janeway. And it was, it was good. It was still read by Kate Mulgrew. Um, but it was actually written by, uh, Una McCormick, who does a lot of Star Trek novels, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and no, it, it's the story of her life, kind of thing. It wasn't really anything too surprising. The uh, they get into like Voyager and then the aftermath when they came back. So and that kind of diverged from the mo- novel series that's actually come out. So that, but there was a a little surprise ending bit to it, which I did not see coming, which was worth the whole book. So. Nice. That was good. Um, and then right now I'm almost finished uh, Johnny Carson by um, oh, what's his name? Oh, Henry Bushkin. Now there's been a lot of biographies on Johnny Carson because he's so mm-hmm. famous. Henry Bushkin was actually Carson's lawyer mm-hmm. and became like his manager and at one point Carson's on record for saying Bushkin was his best friend. Um, so he for like 18 years kind of thing. So it's 
kind of a more of a seedy tell-all story. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's not so much. It's not from Johnny's perspective. It's just kind of like the business dealings he had done and how he was screwed over before Bushkin got in there, kind of thing by his managers and like how they kind of built the empire together and stuff like that. It's it's really good. It's fascinating, um, it, but it's only a piece of Johnny Carson. Yeah, so I'm almost done that. So, yeah, I'm on a biography kick right now. So I think my next one is gonna be like Ford. So we'll see. Cool. Um. So, like I said, I went through a dry spell, and I don't know. Just I think it's because Chris had just finished them as well, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go on a journey. <laughs> so I finished uh all three of the Lord of the Rings books. Um wow. Yeah. It's uh it, it honestly it really makes me want to go back and watch the movies. I really kind of want to sit down and watch them with the boys and see what they think. Oh, good luck with that. Um <laughs> that's going to be a long haul. Yeah, yeah, it will be a long haul, so we'll see. Um may have to be the only problem is is I'm just not sure how the Orkai are going to set with them. <laughs> Otherwise, I would break it up into maybe nighttime watchings, hmm. uh, because then we could break it into to shorter parts. So, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, I actually put this forth to the group. I had another credit. I still had some time, and I was just like, "Well, what else, what should I read?" And I was like, "Well, I could read um, the Similarian, or I could hmm. maybe go back and read the Hobbit." And I was trying to figure out which one it was, and then I saw who read the Hobbit, <laughs> and it was Andy Serkis, and I was just like, "Oh no." I've got to read this. <laughs> um, Andy Serkis needs to read more books. He <laughs> is a fantastic reader. It's the guy who read The Lord of the Rings did an okay job, but you could tell he was reading the books. You mm-hmm. could tell he was in there and reading it and recording it. Andy Serkis was performing it. His yeah. voices were varied. And then, of course, it, you know, you get to the part with Gollum and it's just it's <laughs> like coming home. It's just like, oh, man, like because he even falls back into the the yeah. <laughs> when he's saying it and just, oh, it's it's so he did such a fantastic <laughs> job. But just his reading of all of the different characters like and it's it's funny because uh, when I was when you get to the part part in the Lord of the Rings when there was a song, which, by the way, I. Forgot how many songs were in the books. Oh, oh yeah. Thank God they cut that stuff out. Um, uh, he was, you know, he's kind of reading the song, and it's not like Andy Serkis full on sings it, but you can definitely tell he's get, he's like, oh no, it's a song, so I'm going to he's going to put some inflection into it, and he he just does a fantastic job. If you've if you've ever if you've never read The Hobbit or if you it's been a while and you want to go back and revisit it. Definitely, I cannot recommend the one read by Andy Serkis enough. He is fantastic at this. And very quite honestly, like, if he decides he wants to stop doing mocap stuff and all the other stuff, you know, billions of other things that he does and just wants to read books, good on you, dude. Like, you you could have a career spanning out until your voice ends. Like, he, he was fantastic at it, so... All right, well, that is our show for the month, ladies and gentlemen. If you would, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, wherever it is you listen to the show. You can also find us find us at Epically Geeky, um, and there you can find links to all the other shows we do, including the Epically Geeky Show, the uh, Creatively Geeky Show, and uh, Sustainably Geeky. Uh, you can find us at, on all the different social media at uh, Epically Geeky as well. Where can we find you online, Ray? 
The Reluctant Yeti on Instagram. Sean? Fucking with Wikipedia. <laughs> and your favorite broken toy on Instagram. And as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Chain on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 